Hello, and welcome to Thrive, a podcast that gives you strategies and inspiration to help you live your best life. Learn from us, two cancer survivors, as we show you how we don't just survive, but thrive. Hi, I'm Dara Kurtz, creator of CrazyPerfectLife.com, a place to go to help you find meaning each day, and author of the book, Crush Cancer, the book I needed when I heard those terrifying words, you have cancer, available on Amazon. Hi, I'm Garth Callahan. I am a seven-ton cancer thriver. But more importantly, I am also the original napkin notes dad. I've been writing notes to my daughter, Emma, and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. We are so excited to introduce you to Dr. Gary Chapman, author, speaker, pastor, and counselor. He is the author of The Five Love Languages, and it has sold over 12 million copies and been on the New York Times bestselling list since 2007. His nationally syndicated radio programs air on Moody Radio Network and over 400 affiliate stations. You are in for a treat today as Dr. Chapman talks to us about the secret to love that lasts. Welcome. Well, thank you, Dara. Good to be with you today. I think we can all benefit from hearing about the secret to love that lasts. I mean, who couldn't benefit from that? So talk to us a little bit about your five love languages. Well, it's been very interesting the way that book has been used to help so many couples around the world. As you mentioned, it's sold over 12 million copies in English and been translated in over 50 languages around the world. So it's been very, very encouraging. Uh, I think because we all have the deep need to feel loved and the love languages helps you understand how to do that effectively. Because what I discovered years ago is that what makes one person feel loved does not necessarily make another person feel loved. And that's why they would sit in my office and one of them would say, I just feel like he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. And the other would say, I don't understand that. I do this and this and this. Why would you not feel loved? So I realized that people could be sincere and be expressing love, but the other person not getting it emotionally. And eventually what I did was sit down and go through several years of notes that I made when I was counseling and ask myself, when someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, what did they want? What were they complaining about? And their answers fell into five categories. And I later called them the five love languages. So I started using that in my counseling and uh, helping them understand each other's love language and challenging them to go home and try it. And many times they would come back in three weeks and say, Gary, this is changing everything. The whole climate's different now. And then I started using it small groups and the same thing happened. And eventually, uh, probably five years later, I thought, you know, if I could put this concept in a book, and write it in the language that the common person could understand it, maybe I could help a lot of couples I would never have time to see in my office. So mm-hmm. that's how the book came to be. And uh, it's just been very, very encouraging to see how it's helped so many people learn to connect emotionally or often reconnect emotionally. So let's talk a little bit about the five love languages. They are words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, receiving gifts, and physical touch. So how did you even come up with these five categories? Or was it just looking at your notes and these five categories just kept kind of popping up each throughout the sessions? Yeah, it, it is the latter. It was just this their answers to that question when I asked myself, what were they complaining about? 
their answers fell into these five categories. I was not dogmatic to say these are only five, they're only mm -hmm. five, but in all the years it's been out now, no one has given me what I think is a valid six love language. Mm -hmm. Okay, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, the love language, words of affirmation. Well, Using words yeah, to saying. affirm the other person. You know, you look nice in that outfit. Really appreciate what you did. You know, one of the things I like about you, simply using words to affirm the other person. For some people, this is what makes them feel loved. Uh, I remember the lady who said to me, she said, Dr. Chapman, I know it would be good if I could give my husband some positive words. She said, but to be honest with you, I can't think of anything good to say about the man. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, just never take a shower. And she said, well, yes. I said, well, how often? She said, well, every day. I said, if I were you, I'd start there. You know, <laughs> I've never met a man or a woman. You couldn't find something good to say about them. And when you give them a positive word, if this is their love language, it's going to fill their love tank and they're going to more likely reciprocate to you. So a word is one. You mentioned another acts of service, doing something for the person that you know they would like for you to do. Uh, in a marriage and family, this might be such things as cooking a meal, washing dishes, vacuuming floors, mowing the grass, walking the dog, changing the baby's diaper, anything that you know they would like for you to do. You know, there's an old saying, actions speak louder than words. If this is their love language, actions will speak louder than words. It's not true for everyone, but it is true if this is their love language, acts of service. So one thing that I did before doing this podcast, and I was in a group with my husband actually many, many years ago, and we were in a couples group, and we actually both read your book, and then we would meet with a group, and we would talk about it, and it was amazing. So right before this podcast, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take that test again, which we encourage all of our listeners to go to fivelovelanguages.com and take the free test because it's super accurate and it tells you which category you fall in. It tells you what your love language is. So I took the test and I was sitting in the kitchen the other night and my, I have two daughters. Um, one is home from college. We're all in the kitchen. My husband was there and they said, what are you doing? And I told them I'm taking this test to tell me my love language. So then my whole family took the test and all four of us really had such a beautiful conversation about what, you know, what my love language is versus what yours is. So we can really kind of be aware of how we're interacting with one another. And I love the fact that this is for your partner and your kids and your family. It's just such a great tool to use as you interact with people. So tell us a little bit about how you encourage your clients to use the knowledge so that they can enhance their relationships? Well, uh, I do think, first of all, you have to remind people of the deep emotional need we have to feel loved. Almost everyone agrees this is our deepest need emotionally, to feel loved by the significant people in your life. And if you are married, that's your spouse to start with. If you feel loved by your spouse, life is beautiful. If you don't feel loved, Mm, life begins to look a little dark. And with children, the question is not, do you love your children? The question is, do your children feel loved? Because if they feel loved, then the relationship's going to be positive. If they don't feel loved, it'll show up in their behavior. 
So learning how to speak the primary love language of another individual in the family creates a whole different emotional climate between the members of the family. And I think that's why it's been so important. And you mentioned, uh, you know, your, your daughters, there is a, it's that same website, fivelovelanguages.com. And maybe this is the one they use. There is a quiz for teenagers, specific uh-huh. teenagers. Yeah. As a matter of fact, the people who run that for me told me, it's my publisher that runs that free profile. They told me 33 million people have taken that profile. And, and I That's said, amazing. I said, you guys should have been charging a dollar a piece. You'd have been. <laughs> <laughs> well, that yeah, amazing. So, you know, as I was listening to this, I remember, so my daughter's now 20 and she's a sophomore in college. And I think I've had this conversation with a lot of my male peers. I think that half of the battle with being a parent nowadays is just showing up and being present. And having a commitment to, I guess, reinforce what's important to your child. Uh, you know, as an example, I, I was known as the dad who never missed a softball game. You know, it, it, it might have been 20 degrees in, in an early February game. And I was out there with five layers and an L.L. Bean sleeping bag. You know, but I, I wasn't going to miss the game come hell or high water. And that's something that my daughter could depend on. Yeah, and that's so important. And again, if quality time is their love language, then you're taking time to be there and focus on them and giving your time to be with them and observe them and then talking about it afterwards. Nothing more powerful than that, if that's their love language. Now, it's meaningful to every child. And let me just clarify this with children. I'm not suggesting that you only speak their primary love language. What I'm suggesting is you give heavy doses of their primary love language You sprinkle in the other four because we want the child to learn how to receive love and give love in all five languages. That's the healthiest adult. Most of us did not receive all five growing up. So we came to adulthood and some of these are not very natural for us. But the good news is you can learn to speak any of these languages as an adult, even if you didn't receive them. But the ideal is we give heavy doses of the primary love language. We sprinkle in the other four. That child learns how to receive love, how to give love. You're making life much easier for them when you do that. Amazing. I can't, I, 33 million people have taken this test. That's quite remarkable. And one thing that really surprised me is how accurate it is. It takes no time to do it, but I could sit there and I feel like I know my kids pretty well. I could kind of predict, you know, we were kind of having fun guessing what each other's love language was. And we were all sort of spot on and very similar. Is that normal? Is that usual that your kids are similar necessarily to the parent or is that just kind of a coincidence? Yeah, it's not necessarily uh, true because the love lines are scattered pretty uh, evenly. Okay. It's, not, it's not, not a gender thing either. Uh, a male can have any one of the five. A female can have any one of the five as their primary love language. But the important thing is that, that we know what the other person's love language is. So I, I have a question. It, as I was taking this quiz, I was, I was actually, I felt like I was drawn to certain types of the, of the answers. And I wasn't surprised when I looked at my profile score and saw the bottom, the bottom choice. And I'm wondering, is your environment or your recent, you know, could could your environment currently or possibly recent experiences shift your languages a little bit? 
And the reason why I ask is that I'm not particularly enamored with the commercialism of the holiday season that we're in. And receiving gifts was my lowest score. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our, all of our lowest score as well. And I actually was kind of surprised because, well, I don't think my kids are super materialistic, but I, I was kind of interested to see where that would fall in their love language. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think this, uh, one of the questions I heard you saying, Garth, is can the love language change uh, depending on the situation that you're in right now? Uh, I do think that basically the love language stays with you for a lifetime, your primary love language. However, having said that, I do think that there are certain circumstances in life and maybe certain situations where another love language might jump to the top for a while. For example, if a mother has two or three preschool children, acts of service may not be her love language, but I can tell you in those years, <laughs> it's going yeah. to jump to the top because she feels overwhelmed. Uh, and another uh, time in which it may, we may think it changes is if our number one and our number two are very close to each other and we get enough of number one, we may begin to think, I don't know, I think number two has become number one. But if they take away number one, you'll quickly say, oh, no, 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 that's still my primary. <laughs> and it's, this is the secondary. So, yeah, I think it may momentarily change depending on circumstances. Uh, the other thing I would say is the love language develops early in life. I'm often asked the question, is it nature or nurture? You know, do they are they born with it or do they get it early? I don't know the answer to that. I do know that you can determine a child's love language by the time they're four years old. Observe how they respond to you and other people. You know, son- that, that's really interesting. There was oh, when Emma, my daughter, was young. I remember I felt like I was taking a dartboard approach to building a relationship with her. So I just kept throwing darts at different things, trying to figure out which are the events or which are the experiences that she's going to respond highest to. And it took us a really long time to kind of figure out what Emma liked and what she didn't really care for. And one of the things that I developed is I've been writing notes and sticking them into her lunch ever since kindergarten. And I continue to do that. She's a sophomore in college and I write notes. So she's home for midwinter, midwinter break. And so I'm writing a bunch of notes so that she can take them back to school when she goes back in January and carry her through until that next weekend where we see her. (laughs) And it's, it's really important. I think to both of us to have those notes, it's important for me to write them and important for her to read them. And, and if you had asked me 15 years ago, if this was going to be the thing that we did, I would have never guessed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. My son's love language is physical touch. When he was four years old or so, I'd come home from work. He would run to the door, grab my leg and climb all over me. Mm. He's touching me because he wants to be touched. Our daughter never did that. At that age, she would say, daddy, come into my room. I want to show you something. Her love language is quality time. So it's there very early. I don't know if it's nature or nurture, but it is there very early in life. And you can discover it. And when you do, and you give heavy doses of that primary, you're going to have a good relationship with that child. So have you found in all of your counseling, when people come to you and they say, you know, 
Dr. Chapman, help us. Our marriage is, you know, we're going through some things. We're in turmoil. And you really zone in on helping them figure out what the love language is of the other person. And then they really focus on that. Have you really seen positive over time, the relationship moving towards a happier, healthier situation? Yes, I've seen that many, many times. And sometimes it doesn't take a long period of time. You know, I don't, and I don't mean to communicate that if you speak each other's love language, you'll have no other problems in marriage. I don't mean to say that. Mm-hmm. But if you feel loved by your spouse, it's much easier to solve all of the other normal conflicts that come in marriage. Every couple has conflicts simply because we're human. And humans don't think the same way and they don't have the same feelings. So conflicts are normal. It's just that some folks never learn how to solve them and they argue and say hateful things to each other. And after a while, they lose their love feelings and they get to thinking, well, I just married the wrong person or we're just too different. It's not going to work, you know. But if you can get the concept of a love language and learn and choose to speak it, you do begin to feel differently toward the other person. And then when it comes to conflicts, you're far more likely to listen to them, hear their perspective, come to understand it and say, you know, honey, that doesn't make sense to me. Now, let me tell you what I was thinking. And then you share your perspective and they say to you, I get it. I see that. So how do we solve the problem? And you spend your energy solving the problem rather than spending your energy trying to win an argument. And the love language just helps you create a climate in which that sort of dialogue can take place. Amazing. You know, one of the things that I like, Dara, I, I, I need to thank you. <laughs> I, one of the reasons why I like having Dr. Chapman as a guest is that we, the three of us, have really built our person on building and maintaining relationships. So, Dr. Chapman, I, um, <clears throat> I, <laughs> this is, it's, it's actually really difficult for me to talk about today. I'm not sure why, but I have, both Dar and I are cancer survivors. I myself have been diagnosed with cancer seven times since 2011. And one of the big fears that I had was that my daughter would grow up without a father figure. And to be honest, I continue to have that fear to a certain extent today. And that's one of the reasons why I continued to write notes so fervently and dedicated that effort to her. And Dara has a book coming out about the relationship between her and her mom. And her mom has, she passed away a long time ago. 20 years ago. Right. Yeah. So we, but both of us, we just, we, we understand the value of relationships in our families that really extends to, I I don't want to say everybody, but Dara and I met because she asked me for, to have a cup of coffee with her and from that point on, and Dar, this is a compliment to you, I have never said no to anybody mm. who asked me to sit down and have a cup of coffee with them mm. because I feel like there's a potential relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nothing is more important to, I think, all of us than the relationships that we have with the people that we love and what we can do to grow those relationships. And, um, you know, I think we both do that with our kids. And I think Dr. Chapman, I'm sure that you feel that way with your kids. And we try to help our audience 
see that, that there is the ability to, okay, if my relationship isn't what I want it to be, maybe here's how I can help and here's what I can do. And here's some things that I can maybe put my energy in this space, just like you said a second ago, Dr. Chapman, kind of create that climate where we're kind of working on moving towards what we want instead of pointing out each other's flaws or pointing fingers, because that's not going to get anyone anywhere in terms of what they really want. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think if we understand that we build relationships now, you know, the in love thing, I mean, you know, that, that you don't have, you don't have to work for that. It just kind of grabs you one day, you know, we, we all understand that, but that has an average lifespan of two years. Okay. We come down off the high. <laughs> that's when so important that we know how to love each other so that we do meet the emotional need for love. And when that is met, all the rest of life is much easier to process. Even going through things like you mentioned, the cancer thing, you know, my wife went through cancer seven years ago and she's a cancer survivor. And I think when you do go through that experience, for example, you have a much deeper, keener appreciation for life and you're much more into every day, you know, making the most of it and relationships. And all of us are going to face something along the way. You know, it's a, maybe it's a physical thing. Maybe it's a financial thing or whatever. We all experience difficulties in life. But if we become a loving person ourselves, that is, we choose to think in terms of how can I enrich the lives of other people rather than what we are by nature, and that is, selfish by mm. getting out of this, you know, you're not meeting my needs, but, but we're thinking, terms, how can I meet your needs? How can I enrich your life? And when we become, we have that attitude, we're going to enjoy life much more. And we're going to make a greater impact on the lives of other people when we take a loving attitude. Yeah. I, I love how you were so frank about human nature being selfish and I, I belong to a group of men at my church. There's 325 of us. And most of what we do is either feed the church, you know, through pancake breakfast or spaghetti suppers, or we do acts of service for the community. Yeah. And one of the things that I always stress to people as they are contemplating joining the group is that the Knights of Columbus make me a better person because they force me to stop thinking about myself and to start thinking about others, even if it's just for 20 minutes a week. And yeah. that's a really good place to be in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. So one thing that we do is we always ask our guests to share their favorite thriving tip. And that's just a little nugget of extra goodness. And we would love for you to share your favorite thriving tip with creating love that lasts. Well, I think I would say, first of all, self-understanding, it begins with self-understanding, just being realistic about who you are, where you've been, what's happened to you, how you've responded to it, and letting all that surface, but then focus on the future. You know, I like to say we're influenced by our past, but we're not controlled by our past. We're influenced by our personality, but we're not controlled by our personality. We can make decisions to make our lives better and to make a greater impact on the world. And I really believe that those individuals who learn to serve other people in whatever way, taking their abilities and using it to serve other people, these are the people 
who will find the greatest satisfaction in life. I really believe that. Mm, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. I feel like you have such incredible wisdom and knowledge, and it's just such a blessing to get to speak to you today. So we really appreciate that. Garth, do you have a nappy note for us? I do. So if you are new to the Thrive Podcast, I've been writing notes to my daughter forever. At this point, I've written well over a couple of thousand notes just to her. And fortunately, sometime around sixth grade or so, we started taking pictures of each note. And so I've cataloged all of the notes and I found one for today. And I actually, I remember writing this. It was just a couple of years ago and I was trying to express how much I loved and cared for my daughter. But I also knew that sometimes both my daughter and I, similar personalities, we need to be hit over the head in really mm. plain everyday English. We don't get hints well. We, sometimes suggestions don't work either. Uh, and so the note that I wrote to her that day was, Dear Emma, no matter how much I've told you I love you, it's more. Mm. Sweet. That's great. <laughs> well, we encourage all of our listeners to go to fivelovelanguages.com, take the personal test that tells you your individual love language, share it with your family, really talk about it, share it with your partner. Just like Dr. Chapman said, it really will make a difference and help you enhance the relationships that you have with the people that you love. Thank we you so have, much for being here. We will have uh, links in our show notes. So please click through and read about Dr. Chapman's work. Maybe do him a favor and buy a book. Uh, <laughs> and, and again, really give us some feedback and show your appreciation for this guest because, you know, this has been easily the best 25 minutes of my week so far. Mm -hmm. well, thank you. I enjoyed being with you guys and, and with your listeners. And, uh, Hope that some of the things that we've talked about is going to stir someone to take action. We're so excited. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really want to thank Dr. Chapman again for joining us today. But before we had headed off, I thought that Dara and I should talk about our five love languages, especially since Dara wasn't feeling the love before we started today from me. <laughs> yeah. um, so Garth and I, we really don't ever argue. Cause I mean, I just feel like we just, that's just not us. And we weren't arguing. We, I was just okay. pointing out things that I didn't like. You were a little, he was, <laughs> he was a little bit grumpy today. And I was just kind of like, I don't like this side of you. He was kind of picking on my technology skills. He was pointing out my flaws and my number one love language is words of affirmation, Garth. So if you're telling me verbally things that I'm not doing well, that is going against my number one love language. So here's the interesting thing for me is that that's also not my number one love language. That surprises and, me. Oh, really? What, yes. what would you think that mine would have been? Yes. So I was thinking that your love language is going to be acts of service because when you write a note to Emma, yes, I mean, it is, a, it could be a word of affirmation also, but it's also an act of service. I mean, you are doing that for her and you also, it's super important to you. You are one of the most giving people that I know, and you're always thinking of ways that you can do things for other people. So I was surprised. Was it one of your top? Acts of, service? Acts of service was a close second to number okay. one. Okay. Okay. That's good. So what was interesting for me is 
I, I think that those two are probably very close to being interchangeable. But I've also been, from a work perspective, I've been very much in a communication mode and words matter. And I'm writing a style guide for my work about how to write, you know, how to write presentations, how to write emails, how to put together business reviews and things like that. And so language is really in the forefront of my mind. Now, that being said, I also am very much into how can I serve? And part of that is, you know, napkin notes really is both of those. Yeah, so, no, it is. It is. That's interesting. You're right. Um, um, what I yeah. was surprised is there's basically 30 points for your profile score. And so each each love language gets assigned a score. You know, I almost felt like we were um, back in Dick. Uh, mm-hmm. What's the guy's name? Um, the record guy. Oh, yeah. Um, Dick Clark. Yeah. Right? And people were rating the, the 45 songs. So out of 30, for me, physical touch and quality time were very close. They were both three and four. And receiving gifts was only two points for me. Yeah. Really low on the list. Receiving gifts was low on everyone in my family's list. And I thought that was really interesting. I love this whole thing. And I mentioned before how we did the test and everyone in my family talked about it. And I really encourage you to do this with Lisa and Emma over the break and all of our listeners, because we had such a good conversation. My kids are older now, right? They're 17 and 20, and we can really kind of talk about things, but It's funny because we're all kind of, after we have that conversation, we're sort of moving through kind of like, you know, this morning, John's like, Dara, I really appreciate, you know, I really appreciate you picking up my dry cleaning yesterday. Thank you so much for all you do for me. And, you know, I'm just kind of like, thank you for thank you. You know, it's just kind of, (laughs) it's just kind of funny, but we're, and I'm, and he, physical touch was really high for John. It was his second one. So like I'm, when he comes home, I'm like, maybe before I was in the middle of cooking dinner and I was just like, Hey John, now I'm kind of like, I go over to him. I hug him. I'm really glad to see you. You know, it's really like, we're kind of laughing that we're doing it, but we're also, it's really making a difference. So, So you know, it's interesting as I, as I hear you do this, right. So like, I looked at my love languages and really kind of tried to figure out how did I get to this point where what's influenced me in my life to get me to say that giving gifts is so low or, or I guess receiving gifts. Right. So, and, and I think about how. Maybe it just means you have everything you, maybe it just means you already have everything you want Well, or you just don't even want anything. I think there there are three things going on. One is going through cancer really does yeah. kind of set your priorities a little differently, yeah. right? So things absolutely mean less to me. It's also Christmas season, although we're releasing this episode later. Um, in February, in February, the right? month of love. So, <laughs> um, but I I really struggle with receiving gifts because I kind of feel like as a grown up, if there was something that I wanted, I probably bought it for myself two weeks ago. Yeah. And then the other thing is I'm actually really content with what I have. So 
you know, I know that Lisa was asking me recently if there were some inks or pens that I wanted or something like that. And, you know, and she was, she was making an effort because she knew that that was important to you. So that was really nice of her actually. It it was, but I, you know, I look at, I look at my pen collection and, you know, I don't have a very extensive pen collection. Most of the pens in fact are all less than $30, but I really like the ones that I have. I, I kind of struggle with what's one more pen going to do for me right now. I'm kind of out of, out of that. Right. I think we definitely, and what you said is very true. Like what we went through before with health issues, it shows you what's really important. And at the end of the day, you're not going to take your stuff with you. I mean, at the end of the day, you really see kind of where materialism fits into your life. And that's basically what you're saying is how much more do I even need? I'm happy with what I have. And wow. I mean, how many people, that's such a big blessing to say to yourself, you know what? I'm actually really content with where I am and what I have. Amazing. So, and then the one, the one thing that didn't surprise me so much is physical touch being right in the middle for me. And part of that is that I don't like physical touch except from people that I care deeply about. Like I, I, and I've had, I've had to kind of change my personality a little bit because so many of of my medical team, the nurses want to give me a hug. You know, before I got sick, I would never hug a stranger. I mean, that would. Okay. So you're not a hugger. Well, no, I am, but only with people that I care deeply about. Right. So it's, it's that, that outer circle. Interesting. I'll shake your hand. I'll be more than happy to shake your hand. Yeah. Interesting. So that's why it was, I was like, I don't know, 45 until I had my first massage. I didn't want some stranger touching me. Well, you know, and that's your love language, right? You're entitled. I mean, there's no right or wrong. One thing I thought was really interesting is quality time was my number two. And nothing causes me more frustration than when I'm spending time with my family physically, but they are on their technology because I feel like we're not having quality time. And that has been a, an issue for me with my family. And I will admit, I mean, the people that I love and that I live with are, they are addicted hardcore to their technology. And so many times we're sitting in the kitchen or, you know, whatever, and they're all on their screens and I'm feeling ignored or, you know, I don't feel like we're having the quality time that I really want to have. And I tried to explain this to my kids the other night when we were talking about this, you know, I said, I'm not even asking necessarily for a lot of time. I just want to know that we have had a connection every single day. And if that's a 15 minute meaningful conversation, then why wouldn't you toss me that bone? If you know that that's important to me, give me that 15 minutes and I'll probably leave you alone for the rest of the night. But it's important to me to have that connection with the people that I love every single day. And Dara, <laughs> I, I feel the same way. I was surprised. And, and obviously this is a spectrum, right? So these five languages, I firmly believe that it's a spectrum and it's also to a certain extent where your mindset is when you're taking it. Yeah, um, I think that's true. But, but it did really nail each of the people in my family. Like, Right. I think the number one and the number five are probably spot on. 
because yeah. the point difference is so big. But once you get to the middle, it's kind of you, you kind yeah. of have to be flexible with with where your mindset is. But quality of time for me, and this is something that really bothers me, and I don't know why it bothers me so much, but if we as a family have sat down together to watch a movie or to watch a show, I don't want you looking at your phone. And part of that is, I, I mean, think about it. Why do I, I, I can't even imagine why I think that because no, I know why all I you're doing that. is you're taking away from your own experience watching the show. No, because I actually read a study research shows that if someone is looking at their phone, it's actually taking away from your enjoyment of the movie. It's actually getting in the way of you maximizing your experience because it's distracting you. And so the research shows that. And they also said the same thing with regards to a classroom. If there is a student who is looking at their phone and look, keeps looking at it and another student sees that, that student will not be paying attention to the teacher as much. Why are you laughing? I'm laughing because it reminds me a little bit of a joke. <laughs> it's like uh, the teacher says, you know, look, um, I, I know when you're looking at your phones and the students were like, how do you know that? And and she said, well, because nobody smiles at their crotch as much as you guys do. <laughs> right. But but it's it's true. I I was surprised when I was reading through these descriptions. And, you know, I think we're in February. We're talking about the relationships and love languages and so if you're listening, even if it's only your first time, I would ask you to really look at our show notes, click through to the links, take the quiz yourself, give the quiz to your loved ones and see what your languages are and see how you can better enhance your relationship with that person through what their love language is, because it's not just about you. Garth, on that note, I just want to say to you, I'm sorry that my technology skills are not where you would like your podcast partner's technology skills to be. And I will do my best to work on it. So I, I have to, when, when you were saying this earlier, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think that we were having a problem. I wasn't having a problem with your technology skills. We actually were having a miscommunication of what was going on right then. Like you were saying one thing, I was saying something else. And from from one perspective, it seemed like we were talking about the same exact thing, but we weren't. And okay. you and I were just, we had a barrier there that I was saying A and you were saying B and we both thought we were saying the same thing. And I'm I apologize. I don't want to argue about what we were arguing about. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Thrive is created with the hope that we help you develop motivation and inspiration to make your life remarkable. You can find out more about me at napkinnotesdad.com. I invite you to get my free audio download, Reclaim Your Life at crazyperfectlife.com with tips and tools to help you feel your best. It would mean so much to us if you shared this with your friends and family and left us a review on iTunes. Remember, you deserve to thrive. Thrive Podcast is copyrighted by Dara and Garth.